Welcome to KDGO Conversations in Nephrology. This episode is titled, Approaches to RACI Optimization. For disclosure information, please go to kdgo.org slash podcasts. Here's your host, Dr. Roberto Perqua Filio. Hello and welcome to the KDGO Conversations in Nephrology. I am Dr. Roberto Perqua Filio, Senior Research Scientist at the Arbor Research Collaborative for Health professor of medicine at the Pontifical Catholic University of Paraná. On the program with me today to discuss approaches to the optimization of reigning and retention aldosterone system inhibition is Dr. Patrick Rossignol. Dr. Rossignol is a nephrologist and a vascular medicine specialist, so certainly the perfect guest for our topic today. Patrick, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Roberto. Delighted to be here. Patrick, it looks like as years go by, therapies that inhibit the renin angiotensin system, or RACI, as I'll refer to this from now on, they continue to be important tools in the management of patients with CKD. Still in the real world, clinicians struggle to align with recommendation. What is your approach to RACI optimization? RACI titration is indeed desirable throughout the cardiorenal continuum as universally emphasized by international guidelines. This is true in chronic kidney disease patients with or without hypertension, as emphasized again by the latest 2021 KDGO guidelines on blood pressure management in CKD, for instance, stating that RACI, S inhibitors or ARBs should be administered using the highest approved dose that is tolerated to achieve the benefits described because the proven benefits were achieved in trials using these doses. This is also true in patients with heart failure on reduced ejection fraction, as confirmed by the latest European cardiology guidelines published in August 2021. Importantly, CKD, mostly defined as EGFR below 60 ml per minute per 1.73 square meters, is a highly prevalent condition in patients with acute and chronic heart failure, approximately one third, according to a meta-analysis published some years ago by Kevin Daman in the European Heart Journal in 2013 of 57 studies comprising more than 1 million patients. In both settings, especially in elderly patients and in patients with diabetes, hyperkalemia was found a true hurdle toward RACI optimization. In the heart failure setting, we and others reported that hyperkalemia is one of the main triggers of RACI non-use, underdosing and discontinuation, thereby leading to deprive our patients for these cardiorenoprotective agents and partly mediating the observed association between hyperkalemia and poor outcomes in cardiorenal patients. So looking at the conversations in nephrology and cardiology, it seems like the community has finally decided to approach the problem of hyperkalemia in a more of a proactive approach, don't you think so? Yes, indeed. The latest 2021 KDGO guidelines on blood pressure management in CKD stated that hyperkalemia associated with use of RACI can often be managed by measures to reduce the serum potassium levels rather than decreasing the dose of stopping RACI on that potassium restriction, discontinuation of potassium supplements, certain salt substitutes on hyperkalemic drugs, 
adding potassium wasting diuretics and all potassium binders. In CKD patients receiving RACI who develop hyperkalemia, the latter can be controlled with newer or potassium binders in many patients with the effect that RACI can be continued as a recommended dose. Furthermore, the latest 2021 ESC heart failure guideline stated that administration of the K-lowering agents, pratiomer or sodium zirconium cyclosilicate may allow renin-angiotentium aldosterone system inhibitor initiation or uptitration in a larger proportion of patients. That's really interesting, Patrick. So you are an experienced clinician and uh, you probably treat patients uh, with these therapies a lot in a daily basis. Can you provide uh, our audience with um, your approach to monitoring measures in patients starting in long-term RASI therapies? Well, it is universally acknowledged that creatinine and potassium must be adequately monitored in CKD on all heart failure patients. Why? The proper monitoring was unfortunately reported to be poor after mineralocorticoid receptor antagonist initiation in heart failure patients, both in the US and in Europe. The latest 2021 CADICO guidelines on blood pressure management in CKD stated that changes in blood pressure, serum creatinine and serum potassium should be checked within two to four weeks of initiation or increasing the dose of RACI depending on the current GFR on serum potassium. Furthermore, in patients at risk for hyperkalemia, measuring serum potassium before on at one to two weeks after initiation of RACI is recommended. Patients should also be monitored for symptomatic hypotension, hyperkalemia and serum creatinine within two to four weeks after initiating or changing the dose of the drug with a time interval depending on baseline blood pressure, serum creatinine and serum potassium. Finally, a shorter time interval is indicated if the baseline serum creatinine is high or serum potassium is already high normal or if there is a history of hyperkalemia or an acute rise in serum creatinine with blood pressure lowering or RACI. As far as the ESCR guidelines are concerned, the latest ESCR guidelines repeatedly stated that in heart failure and reduced ejection fraction, firstly, after S inhibitors ARB initiation, recheck blood chemistry, in other words, urea, BUN, creatinine, potassium, one to two weeks after initiation, and one to two weeks after final dose titration. Monitor blood chemistry four monthly thereafter. A thorough potassium monitoring is warranted in patients treated with an malacrotic receptor antagonist. Check blood chemistry at one and four weeks after starting increasing dose on at eight and 12 weeks, six, nine and 12 months, four months thereafter. Second, a close potassium monitoring is warranted under potassium lowering agents. For those just joining us, this is KDigo Conversations in Nephrology. I'm Dr. Roberto Pequafilio, and I'm speaking with Dr. Patrick Rossignol on approaches to RACI optimization. Patrick, the guidelines are providing a clear message in terms of the importance of keeping patients on these life-saving therapies. However, it's not really an easy task to optimize patients, and this requires a diversity of strategies, different phases of the treatment. 
acute or chronic, in the hospital or ambulatory. Can you provide some tips on how to optimize the therapies? Well, Robert, it should be emphasized that as yet no monitoring regimen has been prospectively evaluated in patients initiating a potassium lowering agent for the treatment of hyperkalemia. In an editorial, Bertrand Pitt and I published a couple of years ago in Pharmacological Research 2017, we, however, suggested the following regimen based upon the experience in initiating these agents in the pivotal clinical trials on our own experience on RACI on diuretic management as a basis for discussion on further prospective evaluation. First, serum potassium should be measured before initiation of a potassium lowering agent and should be above five millimol per liter on a non-emolized blood sample. In patients without life-threatening hyperkalemia, it will be prudent to repeat the measurement and to confirm that the potassium is truly above 5 millimol per liter before initiating a potassium lowering agent. One should also measure serum magnesium, bicarbonate, and assess renal function with the EGFR. Second, after initiating a potassium lowering agent, serum potassium should be measured within 48 to 72 hours and repeated at one week. If at one week the serum potassium remains above 5 millimol per liter, consideration should be given to increasing the dose of the potassium lowering agent and to recheck serum potassium no later than one week later. Once the serum potassium is below 5 millimol per liter, it would appear reasonable to, based upon the experience in the pivotal trials of Pachyomer on SDC, to measure serum potassium at one month and then every three to six months at regular follow-up visits. Importantly, any time that a change in electrolyte status is suspected, such as during an episode of diarrhea or vomiting or after each RACI or diuretic dose change, serum potassium and creatinine should be remeasured on the monitoring sequence repeated. I'm sure that there are different uh, regional realities and but really the you know the fragmentation of care and the problems with the communication between specialties that take care of the patients is really difficult don't you think why do you think is this lack of communication exists especially between cardiology nephrology emergency medicine well roberto in my view the workload is certainly a major hurdle actually along with some inconsistencies between nephrology and cardiology guidelines. For instance, regarding thresholds to discontinue dontitrate RACI in the presence of a worsening renal function on or hyperkalemia. Yeah, I fully agree with that, Patrick. Well, any final advice to clinicians? Sure. Please, don't hesitate to titrate RACI as much as you can with monitoring creatinine and potassium closely. And be ready to introduce a new potassium binder to enable RACI, as repeatedly demonstrated with Pratyomer. For instance, in the AMBER trial, I was involved in the steering committee. In patients with advanced chronic kidney disease and resistant hypertension, Pratyomer, compared to placebo, enables the more persistent use of the steroidal MRA spironolactone, the primary endpoint of this phase two trial. 
Well, with that takeaway in mind, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Patrick Rosino, for joining me and discuss the different approaches to RASI optimization. Patrick, it was great having you in the program. My pleasure, Roberto. I am Dr. Roberto Pequa Filho. To access this and other episodes in the series, please visit kdigo.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. This episode was provided by KDigo and supported by V4 Pharma.